Welcome back to the Two Fish Podcast. My name is Nick. I'm Aaron. And this week we're going back to 1 John. We're going to take a look at whether or not we hate our sin enough. What is going on, Two Fish community? We hope that you have had a blessed week and uh, you are focusing on your relationship with God and where you are and your walk. This week we are going back to 1 John chapter 3. And as Nick just described our heading, do we hate our sin enough? So get your Bibles open, 1 John chapter 3. Go ahead and you can read through it and then uh, join in with us. I will be reading out an NIV version. And I, uh, moment of weakness, will be reading out of the ENLT. What happened to ESV or die? An NNLT? What is that? That The Bible I use for the podcast is either here on my on my, on the podcast, in this podcast studio, or it's up on my nightstand, which is where I typically read it from. Or I have it on my phone, obviously, but I can't find it. So I'm thinking I took it somewhere and I put it and left in one of the vehicles, but I didn't take the time to find it. So I have an older one. So NLT it is tonight. It, lo- it looks a little rough. So the e- it is an older one. Yeah, it's kind of dinged up a little bit. All right, so we're not ESV or die tonight. Yeah, my ESV or die compadres out there, I apologize, but NLT tonight. So let's get straight into it. And the first thing right off the bat, as I look, at, as I just look at First John chapter three, the title actually starts up in chapter two. Does yours start like that? Yeah, it actually starts uh, right above verse twenty-eight, but chapter three starts after twenty, verse twenty-nine of chapter two. Yeah, so I think this is a good reminder. Go back and make sure you've listened to chapter two. That way, you know the context here. But mine is living as children of God. The heading on mine is God's children and sin. Mm, okay, interesting. Um, so let's start in First John chapter 3, verse 1. See how very much our Father loves us, for he calls us his children, and that is what we are. But the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we are God's children because they don't know him. Dear friends, we are already God's children, but he has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. But we do know that we will be like him, for we will see him as he really is. So just those couple of verses there, what sticks out to me is that, A, we're, we're called. We're called children of God. He's already called us. We're in the Lamb's Book of Life, like the Bible says. But the world doesn't recognize that, which I think is funny because I think the world does see us as Christians. They say, oh, those Christians. But I, I think what John's trying to say here, in my mind, is they just don't understand. Yeah, I would agree. I like how mine reads a little bit better than yours. See what love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. Mm. Uh, that word lavished just really stuck out to me, like yeah. the type of love that he has for us. Like we just we can't comprehend it, yeah. and it's almost like he has wiped it on you. He has he's just freely given it to you, and, and there, there's nothing – the word lavish just, yeah. I think, really amplifies the love God has for us. Um, it's that type of agape love, right, yeah. that basically surpasses our understanding, which would point to also your, the world sees us as Christians, but they don't understand mm-hmm. um, the way we see the love that God has for us. Yeah, and then the second part of that, we don't know what we're going to look like when Christ appears, but we're going to look like him. And I think that's just an outstanding and amazing thought. We don't know what he looks like in his true form, 
However, Revelation talks about it being amazing. And I know that when we get there in our new bodies, like that's just something we can so look forward to in the future. We don't know, but it's exciting to know that we're going to be like Christ. Then verse three, and all who have this eager expectation will keep themselves pure just as he is pure. I should have just kept reading there. It's an eager expectation to know. We don't know necessarily dot for dot what it's going to look like and how we're going to be in our new bodies, but we know we have an eager expectation to know that it's going to be amazing. Right, and that, that hope we have is in Christ, and that's what bring us, brings us in right relationship with God. And it's that, that hope in him. Mine reads, all who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. So as Christ was pure, we are to be purifying ourselves to look more like Christ. Um, and the day that he appears, we're, we're going to understand that to a much deeper depth than what we can comprehend now. But part of our walk, and I think this is where kind of this heading comes from, is we got to purify ourselves. we got to hate our sin, and we can't continue living sinful lives if this is the call that we have. And we're going to talk about here, verse 4 starts explaining that. Everyone who sins is breaking God's law, for all sin is contrary to God's law. And you know that Jesus came to take away our sins, and there is no sin in him. Anyone who continues to live in him will not sin, but anyone who keeps on sinning does not know him or understand who he is. Yeah, I think John right there, man, he just really nails it down for the church that he's writing this letter to, right? And nails it down for us as we're reading it today. It's no different than what it was for them than it is now. It's the same call. It's the same thing we got to do. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known of him. So if you're out there calling yourself a Christian and you're continuing to live a sinful life, John's telling you, you haven't met Jesus. Yeah, and here's where I think we're going to get groups of believers and non-believers that read this. are going. That sounds like I need to live a perfect life. When you just read that face value and you don't know the gospel and you don't know grace and you don't know these things, well, I need to live a perfect life. I think what John is writing here is, like actively sinning. If you know that something is a sin and you choose, I don't care, I'm going to do it anyway. And I believe that's even for Christians who say they're Christians, who are Christ followers, that they know their sin in their lives, let's say adultery or something. Well, it doesn't matter, I'm going to keep doing it. That is sin. And John's saying, you don't know Christ. If you're actively sinning, now we're all going to have mistakes, we're all going to fall into temptation and that happens. But I think he's saying there, we're talking actively sinning. I really like that. If you're seeking your sin and not seeking Jesus is another way I like to think of that. If I'm actively seeking my wants and desires and not the wants and desires that God has for me, I'm living in sin. I'm living like I don't even know Christ. Yeah, I think another example, and this is for some reason controversial in today's society, but I view homosexuality as something like that. And I'm not talking about having an attraction to the same sex. There are things in people's lives that end up screwing us up from us being little kids. But I think that actively, you go on TikTok, I mean, you can't open anything anymore without flamboyant 
pride, over the top, we don't care. You can't call yourself a Christian and actively do what the Bible says not to do. Now, I'm not, I'm not judging anyone's salvation in any stretch of the imagination. But what I'm reading here is John saying, if you're going to live in sin, I'm questioning your salvation here. I think that's just an excellent example because same-sex attraction can be in temptation just like a opposite attraction temptation can be. They're both sin at the end of the day. Temptation's not, but it's when we act on that temptation. Right. And so I think that's where the difference is. A heterosexual temptation is temptation. It's sin if we act on it. Uh, I mean, it's quite often described as sexual immorality, Mm -hmm. right? Regardless of if if it's male, female, male, male, female, female. Like, it doesn't, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. But that act is sin. When you cross the line from temptation to sin, and you're... And John's saying here, if you're, if you don't care, if you don't care, that's, that's sin. Right. And you can even take, like Jesus put a heavier weight on it. Right. And he said, if you even look at a woman. Yeah. So there, there's even like, he put a, a heavier weight on it. I like what you're bringing up, but it's that sexual immorality, the lust, the action of it. John's saying, if you're acting on your sin, and not acting on what Jesus has called you to and the laws that God's wrote on our hearts. You're sinning. Verse number seven, dear children, don't let anyone deceive you about this. When people do what is right, it shows that they are righteous, even as Christ is righteous. But when people keep on sinning, it shows that they belong to the devil who has been sinning since the beginning. But the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. So right there, we just kind of went over that. If we do what is right, we're going to be called righteous. But if we don't and we keep on sinning, that's that. We committed a sin. We lied. We Whatever it is, we realized it. God, you know what? I screwed up. Help me to not do that again. Help me not lie again. Help me to be more honest. Help me not, not have malice in my heart. Old verses, I don't care. Who cares if it's sin? I'm actively sinning, choosing sin over choosing righteousness. Continuing on, but the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. Those who have been born into the God's family do not make a practice of sinning because God's life is in them. So they can't keep sinning because they are children of God. Once again, I think John's just telling us you need to hate your sinful nature. I think he's just continuing to pound this in deeper and deeper. No one who is born of God will continue to sin. Like, you're not going to continue to want to do those things. If you're chosen by God and you're continuing to have adultery and that kind of stuff, I would begin to question that, and you need to come to a point of repentance, right? you got to repent from this stuff. we got to repent from our sin. We can't continue to walk in it. Yeah, we can't continue to walk in it. Repentance requires a change in direction. We need to talk about it. We need to make ourselves right with God, but then we need to turn around and go the other way. And that, basically, that's the second half of nine there. You cannot go on sinning. You can't do it. You can't have it both ways. Like we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. Like, can't have your cake and eat your ice cream at the same time. Yeah. And and we're, we're I feel like we're harping on the sexual part here. I said earlier, lying. Lying is a sin. You should not be deceiving others. How many times during the day do we fudge the truth here or there, whatever it is, or we don't tell the whole truth, or we... Do it in a way that's not going to hurt us because we're worried about us. These are sins that we are knowingly doing. We, We can't do those. Verse 10, this is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's children, 
nor is anyone who does not love their brother and sister. So right there, John's saying, if you're seeing somebody like this that's not trying to walk away from their sin, that's not actively hating their sin, as the heading of this episode is, they might not be a child of God, and don't let that person lead you astray, like verse 7 says. They could be a church-going person. They could be a non-believer, but you got to be careful and not let that person lead you astray. Regardless of if they're in your church, if it's your boss at work, if it's your your neighbor, you got to be careful. And unfortunately, we somewhat got to judge, is this person's character what God calls it to be? Are their actions in line with what God's telling them? Or are they telling you, don't be a drunkard, but then Friday and Saturday night, they're being a drunkard? Yeah. What is that person's character? What is their behavior? Are they living out a God-filled life, or are they seeking their own desires? Mine, verse 10, says the beginning, so now we can tell who is children of God and who is children of the devil. I always go back to James and Peter, and now John's saying it. You're going to know the fruit of the Spirit. You're going to see the change in people's lives. They're going to start to act and be different. We're going to be able to tell. And I do think we're called to judge on a level of we need to be a community together. We need to uplift each other. Brother, I'm seeing you struggle here. Let's let's do life together here. James says don't be the judge on on the sin as far as salvation. Salvation and dealing with that. There is a line there, but we need to come together as community. A couple of weeks ago we were talking to Jordan. Jordan, he's all about community and that's one of his big things is being together so that we can live together and and help each other grow, help each other keep accountable on this stuff. So I, I love the way that says, we're going to know. We're going to be able to tell. So far, John, what I like about his writing is, to me, it seems very to the point. It seems very easy to read. I felt like James was pretty easy to read. Peter and Paul are a little harder to understand for me because they, they talk and write different. But John is very, hey, this is how it is. Yeah. No, that was going to be one of my, <laughs> that last comment, this is how it is. Like right there in verse 10, this is how we know the who the children of God are, well, and if they're not children of God, then they're children of the devil. Yeah, There's no gray area in that. It's either you're in, both feet in, or you're both feet out. Like, yeah. which one are you going to choose? So verse number 11, this is the message you have heard from the beginning. We should love one another. We must not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and killed his brother. And why did he kill him? Because Cain had been doing what was evil. And his brother had been doing what was righteous. So don't be surprised, dear brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. So I think that's a good example there, Cain and Abel. Cain was the first murderer in the world. He hated his brother. He eventually gave in to the sin and killed his brother. And I think there at the end, that last part is, so don't be surprised, the world hates you. I think a lot of times us Christians don't want the world to hate us. We want the world to love us. We show the world love. We try to be like the world to be include inclusive of the world, sometimes giving up principles so that they'll like us. Scripture's saying they're going to hate us. Don't be surprised about that. Yeah, I agree. A thing I wanted to point out with this, like Cain didn't just immediately kill his brother, right? He let his jealousy, his bitterness, his whatever build up to the point, then he killed him. Yeah. And that's the, that's the devil kind of working like as a process, right? And, and walking through our salvation and trying to follow this road of walking away from our sin is a process. But if we let 
the evil one continue to grab on to pieces yeah that festers and it grows and then you end up a murderer yeah i think that's good it's it's a process uh, both ways are a process they're lifestyles you're either like we said earlier you can't be one of the, you got to be one or the other it's either a lifestyle of sin and evilness or a lifestyle of being righteous right trying to be more like christ one of our past guests chris russell from destiny's rescue often brings up the point that um, these men that go and seek these young women didn't start there. It started yeah. in the porn industry. It started with a, a dirty magazine that led to online porn that led to seeking underage women or, or young women online that then turned into something else that led to something yeah. else. That sin just continues to grab hold of you and fester in you and John's Basically, I think this whole chapter telling you, you need to hate that and you got to squash it up front. You can't let it continue to fester and grow or you're going to turn into a murderer. (laughs) You're going to be Cain. Verse 14 kind of gives us the opposite end of this. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. So as you grow in your relationship with Christ like you should be able to love others and hate their sin but you should be able to love them so like Nick brought up the homosexuality thing we should be able to show them love but hate the sin and hopefully as we've pointed to in some of our other episodes we can sit down and we can have that conversation those people feel like they can talk to us it's not we don't build a wall in front of this yeah Here's the thing there where that conversation goes wrong, and this is me just kind of shooting off the cuff here, is we love them, we hate the sin, we can have that conversation with them, but until they become Christ followers, until the Spirit fills them and starts convicting them on that, we started this whole chapter with the people of the world don't recognize that we are God's children. They don't recognize that God's love for them either. Like they're not gonna understand that. A liberal can tell a conservative hey, this is right, the conservative's not going to understand it. It does not make sense to them, and vice versa. The liberal is not going to understand what the conservative's point of view is because it just does not make sense to them. I think it's a very, and that's where we get, unfortunately, get a lot of hard lines. It's this or that and nothing else from both sides. We do not understand each other. The world is not going to understand the love of God because it's not in them. Now, it's there. God loves them. God created them. He sent Jesus to die for them if they choose to believe in him. But I think that's where the loving them part and to continue to love on them and show the love of Jesus is so important that someday they might see that and question it, that our, we're living a good testimony for Christ, that someday, eventually, hopefully sooner than later, they'll understand that, see it, start to ask questions. And that gives us the opportunity, if we haven't already, to talk about Christ, and then that stuff will come alive in them. I really like that. I think it kind of goes along with verse 15 there. Anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in them. So at the time, they might might not have that eternal life residing in them, but you're living out an example, and it begins to stir something inside that other person. Hopefully they can come to repentance and walk away from whatever is holding them back from eternal life. Yeah. 
So on to verse 16 here. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or a sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Verse 18, dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Yeah, there's that living example. Right. And lives should be testimonies pointing to Jesus. Yeah, that's a pretty convicting section there because yeah. how many times do you come across a brother and sister that are struggling and you kind of brush it off? But I think one of the things that makes me ponder this section, as you, especially as you were reading it in your version, is John is saying this to brothers and sisters. He's speaking, hey, as brothers and sisters, he's talking in Christ. Yeah. So the question then is, where is the line? So if I'm called to lay down my life for a brother or sister, is he talking lay down in my life for an unbeliever in that? Or is he specifically talking about believer to believer? I, I think he's talking believer to believers here. Because I'm reminded of in the Gospels where Jesus sent the disciples out. He said, go to the cities. If they do not accept you, wipe the dust off your feet and walk away. Saying, for, for however long it's been determined, that is how they're going to live. They're not going to turn. They are sinful. That's how it is. Walk away. So that makes me wonder, hey, if we're if we're doing the reaching out, if we're doing the loving, and people aren't accepting that, am I called to lay down my life for an unbeliever? Again, another example is the Good Samaritan. The Good Samaritan helped that man out. He loved on that man. He helped him up. But was he called to lay down his life for that man? How I, I just wonder, and this is just questions. You can We can have these questions and these thoughts and I just wonder where that line is of, you know what, we just got to walk away, wipe our shoes off. No, I, those are <laughs> remarkable questions, and I think they're questions we've always got to ask, and I think that's when we pray about a situation, uh, whether it be a believer or a non-believer. Um, I think John's telling us here, basically, if you're brushing off your brothers and sisters that you you believe are chosen people of God, you don't have God in yourself. I, we did a study, and I can picture the heading of the chapter. I can't think of where the chapter is. It's growing in your faith. One of, the, one of the last verses told us you need to love your brothers and sisters, and as you do that, you will then begin to love everyone. So there's that deeper call again. You're not only going to love your brothers and sisters, but like Jesus did, he came, and he came for the Gentiles as much as he did for the Jews. Like, it wasn't just for the Jews. He came for us all. And yeah. I think as we grow in our faith and as we continue to walk away from our sin and grow our love and our relationship with Jesus, those questions are going to become harder and harder to answer. Yeah. Like, the the line isn't so black and white. It becomes, I'm I'm called to love that guy, regardless of what he believes. And hopefully, I'm an example of, Christ, and this guy is going to see that in me, and he then will seek what I'm seeking. That's good. I love questions like that. You dive into stuff, and you just, well, let's talk through that. Verse 19, our actions will show that we belong to the truth so that we can be confident when we stand before God. Even if we feel guilty, God is greater than our feelings, and he knows everything. Dear friends, if we don't feel guilty, we can come to God with bold confidence. And we will receive from him whatever we ask because we obey him 
and do the things that pleases him. Now, I think that's a that's another really really good section here. We belong to the truth. The truth is Jesus Christ. Um, it reminds me to put on the the belt of truth, right? As we put on the armor, you can't forget the belt because it holds up everything else. Like it is a key element to our walk. And as we hold on to that truth, we can stand in confidence to God. My thought on that is when we ask for prayer, we can co- we're confidently praying. We don't have the sin in our life that is holding us back and holding holding God back from us. And yeah. Um, but we can stand in confidence and pray in confidence that, you know, we feel like we're in the right spot to be doing what we're doing. Yeah. Uh, backing up to 18, let us not merely say we love each other, but love each other through action. Um, our actions will show that even if we feel guilty sometimes that, hey, you know what? I screwed up on that. I didn't love like I should have, or I didn't, I didn't react in that situation. I didn't pray for that person or whatever the conviction and guilt of it is, it doesn't matter. God is greater than those feelings. He, his grace and his, he's su- more sufficient than those feelings of guilt and doubt and that kind of thing. I think John's, to me, saying as long as we, like you said, belong to the truth and we're acting and living within that truth, we don't have to worry. God, God's got us. Yeah. And wrapping up here, verse 23, and this is his commandment. We must believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. And love one another just as he commanded us. Those who obey God's commandments remain in fellowship with him and he with them. And we know he lives in us because the spirit he gave us lives in us. I mean, it's almost partly a call to Christ, partly a confirmation to the Christian. Hey, come to Christ. When you come to Christ, when you accept Jesus, God lives in you through his spirit. Backing up again, we can feel confident. We don't need to feel guilty. God is greater than all that. We can love one another because we have God in us. Right. It makes me like this last little section here just kind of made me think that John's writing to a church that's struggling. And he's saying, no, don't struggle because right here, what he is saying here is the gospel. Believe in the son. Don't live in sin. Hate your sin. And when you do those things, it will all come back in alignment and it'll be a correction. And I think there's a lot to be said in that for all of us, that we often end up on a wrong path, but we need to be willing to humble ourselves and be corrected and get back in alignment with God. I think that's part of what John's doing here is he's writing to a church that was struggling. So if you're on the struggle bus right now, you still have that hope. You can still walk away from this, but the longer you let it fester, the harder it is for you to not become a murderer. Or center in general, an active center. A bunch of things to think about. Are we taking our sins seriously? Are we understanding God lives in us? Through that, we can love one another and love the unbeliever too. Are we Are we doing all those things? Are we paying attention to those things in our lives? Think about that this week and join us next week on the Two Fish Podcast.